books on books on the brain. <laughs> Welcome back to Books on the Brain, a podcast of books and nonsense. I'm Carly. I'm Danielle. And I'm Deirdre. And we're hello, back, hello. and we're better than ever. Hello. Hi, friends. How's everybody doing today? Fine. Just fine. <laughs> my, my, I have to wear... I, I have to wear a mask for, like, extended periods of time and hours at a time because that's life when yep. you work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my little mask throughout the day will, like, ride up and hit the, lo- like, the lower part of my eyes to m- so my eyes get droopy because I'm sleepy, but then, like, my eyes are just always closed. <laughs> I'm just very tired. Yep. I'm very tired. I feel that. I started watching Love Island with my roommate. Oh, Deirdre, no, why? (laughs) Because we've been on this, we've been on this reality TV show kick, and we had both never seen a single episode of Love Island, and so many of my friends in the UK have been watching it since season one, so I was like, I gotta, I gotta do it. Everything's on Hulu now, and I didn't realize they had started US seasons. I was like, what? So we started with season three UK because Mm. apparently that's where it gets good. Um, We have been told by somebody who has watched Love Island that uh, to watch it UK first, season three, four, five, six, seven, I think, and then go back and watch one and two for the laughs because they clearly didn't know what they were doing in those first two seasons. And they finally like got it together for season three. Um, but we've just been, like, shouting in all these horrible English accents around the house. <laughs> That's so funny. And it's so funny. So, yeah. I That's haven't watched... Me. I'm not caught up on Love Island because there's a season happening now. That's yes. airing. Yes. Um, but I did, however, watch uh, Love is Blind, the reunion. The three episodes they put oh. out as, like, the two years later reunion. No way. Oh, it's... A lot. Is that on Netflix? It is on Netflix. And that's from the season that aired during COVID. It's, yeah, the only or during season quarantine, I, I should Yeah, say. during quarantine. Um, and the spoiler, the two couples <laughs> that are married are still married. Aww. But um, there's some other, like, weird things that, like, everyone hated Jessica, which I'm like, yeah, she was, like, not great to Mark. But then also mm. stuff came out about Mark during that episode that I was like, <gasps> Maybe we were quick to judge Jessica. So I'll leave you with that. You'll have to go watch it if you want to know what I'm talking about. Okay. Netflix, pay me for the promo, please. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. I don't watch reality TV, but I should. I should. It's, I used to watch it. Um, Love is Blind was weird. It was weird. Love is Blind was weird. It's not the way, I did watch Sexy Beast and that one was like too weird. Was that the one where they had like, to like dress up as like furries? It was <gasps> not furry. They're not. They're not. They're not furries. Okay. They're in like full prosthetics. So it's not okay. Like, it's not like a kink thing. It's just like we don't want you to see what you look like, but we're gonna make you dress up as this weird uh, baboon, and it's... then you'll have to kiss each other with these. Pros- it's weird. It's weird. It's uh, like that. That, one was that, not that as good. 
It's like that unmasked singing show thing where they. Yes, I love that like, show. I it's love like it. Sinners, yeah. Like like singer dating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are weird. their costumes as cool as the Masked Singer? They the costumes of Masked Singer are like big. These are like yes. just prosthetics on the uh, face and like uh, a little alarming. Interesting. But uh, if you ha- if you want to laugh, if you want to laugh, you can watch it. Because uh, they do this thing where uh, there's three men and one woman, or like one man and three women. And the first person they send home, they show a picture of like the p- one person to them. And there's been a, there were a couple times on the show where the person was like, God, they're not even hot anyway. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> People just get a little spicy when they have their feelings hurt. This one Savage. guy, like, full-on had, like, tears streaming down his prosthetics, and he was like, you missed out on a really great guy, and, like, stormed out. And I was <laughs> oh like, God. I don't know, man. If that's your reaction to rejection, I'm not sure she did. Mm. Not sure she did. Speaking of rejection. Oh, Ooh. no. <laughs> Good segue. Good segue. Segue Good away, segue. baby. Speaking of rejection, today we have a very spicy episode planned all about books that have been rejected Mm, smashed it uh like that like that zoe 101 song that they sing to love (gasps) rejected rejected yeah you just got rejected r-e-j-e-j-e-c-t-e-d rejected i think about that song way too much Way too. I just realized that we're on a Zoom call, so that's not good. It's gonna be like a weird round situation where it's like. I'll edit it. I'll edit it so it (laughs) should be completely in time. So it's insane. Yes. (laughs) Just leave it the way it is. It's probably funnier. (laughs) Um, so we've been uh toying with doing this episode for a while, but we wanted to save it. Uh, for closer to school starting, and we figured, why not do it before everybody's back to school? And so today we're going to be talking about banned and challenged books. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a it is a hot topic, uh, and you know I think especially and I, maybe I shouldn't say especially because I haven't been around the online book world for more than a year. But in the spring, the term banned books was being thrown around quite heavily. Um, And there were a lot of people kind of clapping back saying, I don't think you actually know what banned books are. It's not Mm. just um, people calling out and asking authors to be held accountable uh, for poor stereotypes and bad representation. Um, A lot of books that are banned... Um, it's, it's not because there's something inherently wrong with the book. No. Um, and so we're going to get into this. Uh, we've kind of done a little bit of U.S. versus Canada because obviously I am from the States and Danielle and Carly are both from Canada. So some of the rules around challenging and banning books are a little bit different. It seems to be kind of similar between our two countries, but yeah. in doing our research, um, we kept it pretty light on the world stage mm-hmm. uh, because it got very overwhelming. And some countries, it is very different from North America. Um, 
to to let y'all know, like, we really did focus on North America exclusively. There's obviously so much more to get into this topic if we were to expand it to the world stage. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it was interesting, like, trying to, like, do research and trying to find, like, other countries and, like, what goes on there. It was nearly impossible. It's like my search yeah. engine just wanted to show me what was, like like happening in North America. So it's kind of kind of an interesting conversation. Cuz it's even like are these books even available in these countries to begin with to be mm-hmm. banned? Cuz that's a yeah. whole other thing, right? Like books that are being published in North America and we there's like this theme, obviously I'm sure you at home can kind of guess about what kind of themes and books <laughs> get them banned and they're not that there's anything controversial about them. It's just like queer books or books about people of color are more quickly to be banned than other things. But even having access to those books in different parts of the world for them to be banned is a totally different story that we just do not have enough information about today to discuss. Yeah. So I we do, won't. I do have a list of... I do have a list of, like, the issues that get a book banned. I don't know if y'all... Yeah, tell me right now. Okay. Racial issues? <laughs> Uh, incur- uh, encouragement of quote unquote damaging lifestyles, which has to do with homosexuality, essentially. Yeah. Uh, blasphemous. <laughs> I you were going to say drugs. <laughs> uh, uh, blasphemous dialogue. Uh, if the book, you know, uses words such as Blas- God or Jesus as profanity. Um, Sexual citations or dialect or dialogue, um, <laughs> violence or negativity, just of any kind. Um, presence you said of you're having a bad day. No, bad every book I read in high school. Yeah, literally, literally. Book I read in high school. All the curriculum books. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, presence of witchcraft, uh, religious affiliations. But, like, unpopular religious. I was about to say, I'm like, hold your horses there. Yeah, no. Hold your like, horses. Un- quote unquote unpopular religions. Uh, political bias and age inappropriate. What? Inappropriate? Age inappropriate. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So that's very similar to um, the American Library Association. That's where I got all of my information. They mm. had a little. Um, section. The following were the top three reasons cited for challenging materials as reported to the Office of Intellectual Freedom. Number one was the material was considered to be sexually explicit. The material contained offensive language or material was unsalted to any age group. And I don't know (laughs) what the word unsalted means. Please help Um, me, anybody. It is spelled U-N-S-U-L-T-E-D. And I don't know if the American Library Association spelled unsuited. (laughs) I don't even know if unsuited is a word, (laughs) to be honest. Um, Unsuitable? Yeah. Well, you know what? Wait, what is the the sentence? Not confident. It just says unassaulted to any age group. Is it supposed to be insulted? No. I don't know. Because it's usually a lot of the books that I saw where that phrase was cited as a reason um, were like a lot of YA books. Oh, I'm going to Google it. <laughs> we I did. did. And it, all it we could find to a is butter. butter. <laughs> it's all butter. People being like, unsalted? And you're like, no. 
<laughs> but not on butter. butter recipes. I was like, what? Like helpful, <laughs> but not right now. Please. So I don't know what unsalted means. That's that's what I'm getting to. Hmm. Uh, but just to give everybody an idea of the difference between challenging versus banning a book because I think that is where a lot of people get tripped up because challenging and banning are two different things. So um, according to the American Library Association, a challenge is an attempt to remove or restrict materials based upon the objection of a person or group and a banning is the removal of those materials. I don't know if it's similar in Canada. It is like you have to challenge a book in order for it for to it be to get banned. banned. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's kind of like, more often than not, books get challenged and the bans do not get put in place. Right. Very rarely do books get banned because it goes against our yes. Canadian Charters of Rights and Freedoms. <laughs> yes. It's the same in the U.S. So uh, because of the First Amendment, um, books really can't be banned there have actually been several court cases trying Mm -hmm. to get like taking it farther than the challenge um and i'm gonna do i haven't chosen the court case that i'm gonna do yet i kind of want to figure out which one but i will be doing my next book report on one of them because i think it's really fascinating Mm, interesting um so we won't be getting too much into that aspect of it in this episode because again this episode would be so freaking long this is such a like deep intense topic but it's so interesting it is so so interesting interesting. and so on um on the page it was saying um that the access to library resources and services for minors which i think is like um some sort of policy um is an interpretation of the library's Bill of Rights, and it's the basic policy for ALA concerning access to information. Um, And it states that librarians and governing bodies should maintain that parents and only parents have the right and responsibility to restrict the access of their children and only their children to library resources. Um, censorship by librarians is constitutionally protected speech, whether for protection or for any other reason, violates the First Amendment. So basically what that means is that in the United States, parents can choose how to censor their children and only their children, um, but a government worker and librarian cannot censor the public. See, there's something very similar said for Canadian schools. So, like, mm. libraries within schools or, like, within classrooms. Not so much the same with, like, public libraries that are under the government's domain. Uh, but, yeah, the, 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 like, school, like, talk, when you look up anything to do with schools, they're like, you can do whatever you want with your kid. You cannot dictate what other parents do with their kids. Right. Which I'm like, feels like common sense. But here we are. Um, the Canadian thing is similar. The Canadian Charts of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, Section Two B. Ooh. Freedom of expression. Everyone has the following fundamental freedoms: freedom of thought, belief, opinion, expression, including freedom of press and other media communication. So that's where books fall into. Yeah. And Canada has this council. It's called the B. PC, the book, 
paradoxical, paradoxical, period cow. <laughs> That's a big word. It's a big word. Uh, so basically, it's this council that organizes all these Canadian associations about like writing and editing and translating and publishing. So it's this big like umbrella thing. And then underneath it, there's different departments that deal with different things. But what this specific governing body says is freedom of expression is a fundamental right to all Canadians and the freedom to read is part of that prestigious heritage. Our committee of representing member associations and organizations of the book and other thing council affirms its support in this vital principle and opposes all efforts to suppress writing and silence authors. Nope, silence writers. Um, so basically they are put in place to make sure that people are not censoring their work or like to make sure that if things are being challenged, they're going through the right avenues. So they're dealt with correctly, like all over their website, they're like report someone banning a book, like all over, like they want to know so they can step in and help. It's really kind of cool. I had no idea this existed. That's awesome. Um, so this is their statement on this, the freedom to choose what we read does not, however, include the freedom to choose for others. We accept that courts alone have the authority to restrict reading material, a prerogative that cannot be delegated or appropriated. Prior restraints demeans individual responsibility. It is the antithesis of freedom and democracy. Democracy. Uh, so then basically, yeah, they're just put in place to make sure people ain't doing shady stuff. That's really cool that there's like a whole yeah. council for that. Uh, the pronunci- pronunciation is periodical. Periodical? Periodical. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> everyone go back in their mind and pretend I said it right because I'm not editing this out. The problem is like you edit this out. You don't have to. Just leave it in. Uh, I've spent like so many hours with young children this week. My brain is not working. It's okay. Um, so yeah, so then these people also put on this week where they're like, don't, freedom to read week. That is kind of their big thing that they champion. Mm. Yeah, so we have banned books week in the yeah, United States. And yours um, is in November, right? September. So oh. I think it's usually the last week of September. So this year in the United States, it is September 26th through October 2nd. Um, and I, I think the goal is to celebrate books that have been challenged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, a lot of school libraries will put together the lists of books that have been banned or books that have been challenged and encourage people to read those books. Yeah. Um, because, like we said, the, the main reasons, uh, emphasis on main, for books being challenged are... Things like characters being in the LGBTQ community or, um, you know, like the hate you give gets challenged for uh, anti-police ideology. (laughs) Uh, And um, it's it's things that many of us uh, don't believe to be... uh, a problem. Yeah. Where they need to be (laughs) banned for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I was going with that. My whole thought just fell out of my butt. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, the Canadian week is February 20th to 26th, 2022. That'll be next year. 
So that actually uh, coincides with my birthday. Ooh. Ooh. So I'll surround myself with banned books, I suppose. Heck yeah. Have a party. So there's this really interesting thing that the Canadian government does that I'm mm. going to talk about yeah. right off the top. Every year, because apparently Canada is small, even though it is not. Canada is very big. It's big. But they put it's together... a big country, but you don't have a... I would say the population in relation to yeah. the size of your the country land is small. I, was, yeah. I, I Literally, California has more of a population than the entirety of Canada. It's all actors, so. too. Yeah. <laughs> it's all un- unworking actors. <laughs> unworking. Um, unworking. That's unemployed. Uh, that's a better word for it. Um, so the Canadian, this this committee puts out uh, basically this document every year where it goes through every single complaint to a library about anything or um, like process of something being challenged, like even like kids should be monitored with their computer use like any complaint the library gets because of it is being a government thing they have to disclose it in these reports and they are so funny they are hysterical uh so i pulled some from the most recent which is 2018 to 20 2019 to 2020 so there were 37 books graphic novels and comics challenged wow all throughout canada just 37 Three magazines or newspapers, 18 DVDs, or streaming videos. Um, so there's a couple different categories, but for the first one, it's access policies challenged in 2016. Because, like, COVID kind of messed some things up, so they've had to, like, condense. So some of this is a little older. Uh, so a patron who challenged the John Lennon letters by John Lennon via Hunter Davies was concerned about the wide variety oh. of scraps of writings on the grounds that Lennon did not mean to be published, that sometimes were very private notes. So they wanted the library to do something about that. The library <laughs> like, what do you want us to do, friend? Uh, funny. Uh, this one, not funny. I just appreciated it. A patron challenged Pocahontas DVD requested to be removed due to its inappropriate depictions of indigenous people. Get it out of there. Heck yeah. Uh, this one made me cackle at like 11 p.m. last night. A patron who challenged Addicted by L. Kennedy, which if you do not know of the off-campus series, <laughs> requested oh. it to be removed due to its graphic depictions of sexual activities, low-quality plot, <laughs> and vulgar name. <laughs> low-quality. Oh, boy, you screamed. Uh, that made me laugh. Uh, and then there's library labeling. So, for example, a patron who challenged Dumpling... Uh, by Julie Murphy requested it to be requested that a warning label be applied to the cover of this book because of its sexual content and coarse language. What? No. Which I've not fully read Dumpling, but I I saw the Netflix thing. Didn't seem to be yeah. any kind of sexual content other than I Some believe there's smooching. a drag queen scene. Some yeah. Smooching, yeah. Maybe that's probably where it is is the drag queen scene. I think so. Yeah. Get over yourselves, people. Um, Library (laughs) shelf... This one made me laugh. Library shelf location. A patron who challenged T-Rex trying by Hugh Murphy requested the book to be moved 
from adult fiction to the children's section. <laughs> I assume it's a kid's Whoa. book. It just made Whoa. me laugh. And then, then the resolution of it is, the book was reassigned to the teen collection. So they're mm. like, no, 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 we got to put it in the teen books. <laughs> um, and then they're, they'll do restricted items. So sometimes the library, instead of banning books, they'll put them in a restricted area that you'd have to come to the librarians to ask versus, like, just getting rid of them. So there's a couple movies that they were like, oh, okay, we'll put it back there. Uh, this one made me so angry, so I'm going to include it. <clears throat> library programming issues that people had. A library com- received a complaint letter two days before the Reading with Royalty Drag Queen Storytime event because they believed a Drag Queen Storytime was introducing a divergent sexual lifestyle to impressionable children in the guise of reading with a princess. It makes a mockery of what a woman is. Drag queens belong in nightclubs, not public libraries. Wait, what? Hold up, I, I've, when I was in New York, I went to a drag queen reading a child's book, and it was great. I loved it. It's delightful. It lets, like, access for kids to see people like them, or, like, people like they want to be in their community. It helps bridge gaps in this, like, weird thing where, like, kids cannot access drag because it is an 18-plus, like, gate-kept thing. But, like, if they come to the library, it's fine. And then people Also, how dare you say a drag queen can't be a princess? Uh, Yeah, hello. More of a princess than you are. Uh, And then this guy goes on. But he's just, like, incredibly homophobic. And then he just, at the end, he goes, he considers this child abuse. I'm like, I don't think so. You could also just, like, not bring your kid if you didn't want to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so there's just this really great report that Canada does about all the books that are challenged in their libraries. And um, there are some that I'm like, yeah, that makes sense that this is challenged. So the only one that I found in recent date that they actually decided to remove from the library was in 2017, a patron who challenged toilet training in less than a day by Nason Arzen and Richard Fox was requested to be removed due to its out-of-date suggestions and practices as well as insensitive languages. So they did choose to remove that book from the library's collection. So that was the only one. So uh, that kind of tells you how big the process of banning, banning books air quotes, uh, mm. how big the book has to be to actually have it, like, banned and removed. This wasn't banned. They were just like, we can just take it off the shelves. It's fine. But that was kind of the only book that I saw in their uh, records that they did that. Right. Yeah, so in the U.S., I wasn't mm-hmm. really able to find, um, like, extensive lists like that. The ALA has their top 10 most challenged books every year, which they publish. So I put together, or I pulled the list from 2020, which was the most up-to-date list that they had. And um, the way that they collect this data is um, the top 10 lists are only a snapshot of book challenges. So it's certainly not as extensive, I would say, as Canada is. Um, with that. Um, The surveys indicate that 82 to 97% of book challenges documented requests to remove materials from schools or libraries remain unreported and receive no media. Um, So it's it's actually, I did stumble across like a couple articles, um, like there was a 
media attention when Beartown was removed from a high school uh, or attempted, I guess, to be removed from a high school curriculum. Um, and same with The Hate You Give. Um, but I thought it was interesting that 82 to 97% of book challenges don't see the public eye. Um, and so the ALA Office of Intellectual, Intellectual Freedom tracked 156 challenges to library, school, and university materials and services in 2020. Of the 273 books that were targeted, here are the most challenged, along with the reasons cited for censoring the books. Um, and so to give some context, in 2019, there were 377 challenges to library, school, and university materials and services, and 566 books were targeted. And in 2018, 347 challenges were made, and of uh, and 483 books were challenged or banned. Um, and so the top 10 from 2020 were George by Alex Gino, Reasons, Challenged, Banned, and Restricted for LGBTQIA plus content conflicting with a religious viewpoint and not reflecting, quote, the values of our community. No, whose community, though? <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Continue. Uh, two, Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You by Ibrahim Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds reasons banned and challenged because of author's public statements and because of claims that the book contains, quote, selective storytelling incidents and does not encompass racism against all people. Cough, cough, white people. We know mm -hmm. what you mean. We can read between the lines. Mm hmm. Sorry. Uh, all American Boys by Jason Reynolds and Brendan Keeley reasons banned or challenged for profanity, drug use, and alcoholism, and because it was thought to promote anti-police views, contain divisive topics, and be, quote, too much of a sensitive matter right now. How do things change if we don't talk about them? Ah! Uh, speak by Lori Hulse Anderson. Uh, speak. Banned... <laughs> <laughs> Such an old, isn't that an old book? <laughs> what is that? Banned, challenged, and restricted because it was thought to contain a political viewpoint and it was claimed to be biased against male students and for the <laughs> novel's inclusion of rape and profanity. Yeah. Like, it, I, I I've never heard this, of this book. I, I need to say something halfway through this uh, list. It seems like <laughs> rather than like banning these books or challenging, maybe, maybe the move. <laughs> is to look what the book is trying to tell you and reflect on that and why maybe we should be learning those lessons. Just I have a lot that of, out there. I have a lot of thoughts once I get to the end of this list. I'm sorry. I interrupted No, it's you okay. It's okay. We so love the interruptions. But I have never heard of that book. Speak. Oh. I think it's like, it's got a girl who's got her like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, her hand over her mouth. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Carly's my, like, visual aid where I'm like, bah, bah. <laughs> I'm just like, please. Uh, the Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexi. Reasons banned and challenged for profanity, sexual references, and allegations of sexual misconduct by the author. Something Happened in Our Town, a child story about racial injustice by Marianne Solano, Marietta Collins, and Anne Hazard, illustrated by Jennifer Zivian. Challenged for diverse language and because, or quote, divisive, sorry. <laughs> Challenged for, quote, divisive language and because it was thought to promote anti-police views. Maybe we should be looking at the police through a critical lens. Hmm, what a concept. 
Spe- Speak came out in 1999. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Then we've got an oldie, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. Reasons. Band are challenged for racial slurs and their negative effect on students, featuring a, quote, white savior character and its perception of the black experience. Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck, another oldie. Banned and challenged for racial slurs and racist stereotypes and their negative effect on students. The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Banned and challenged because it was considered sexually explicit and depicts child sexual abuse. And The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas was challenged for profanity and it was thought to promote an anti-police message. Um, And then I also wanted to see if any of the books from 2020 appeared on the list in 2018 or 2019, just to see if there was a rollover. Um, And there were two. So George by Alex uh, Gino was number one in 2018, 19, and 20. So it has maintained that spot uh and the hate you give by angie thomas was number four in 2018 and number 10 in 2020 and it was on the list um earlier than that but i didn't clock the year um and the thing that i kind of just like kept rolling through my head as i was doing this research was that there are a lot of these books that do need to be challenged as Mm -hmm. curriculum Mm -hmm. Right there, there are a lot of books that are in the school curriculum, like *To Kill a Mockingbird*, <laughs> um, that mm-hmm. you know maybe it does need to be critically looked at. Is this crucial to learning literature? You know, mm-hmm. um, and even when I think back to my English classes in high school, I was like, I don't know what these classes are supposed to be teaching me because I don't think I learned critical thinking skills in them. And I certainly didn't learn how to write an essay. So, (laughs) um, and, and I say this as somebody that knows she went to one of the best schools in her state. Like Mm -hmm. the, the high school that I went to is, um, and, and one of the top schools in the country. Um, and, you know, to come out of my high school experience and be like, you know, I don't really know what my English classes were supposed to be teaching me, but I I don't feel like I learned the things I maybe should have been learning. Um, kind of calls into question, you know, why people are allowed to get away with challenging these books, because a lot of these challenges are certainly coming from a place of bias. Mm, absolutely. In- instead of, you know, there are racial slurs, in these books and it's making people uncomfortable or you know maybe we should be doing a poll every year and seeing if students are comfortable reading books that contain sexual assault um and not trying to take those things away if the way it is written is going to be educational but also acknowledging that times are changing new books are being written books have been overlooked And maybe there are other pieces from the 18th and 19th century that need to be in school curriculum and other things can be removed. Yeah. And not to mention, like, if like being outside of high school now and like working as a bookseller, every almost every single book that I was made to read or that was on a list, they're all adult books. Why would any kid want to read that? Like, yes, like you really think about it like they're not 
catered towards teens so like why would they want to read it in the first place and it gets into like a sticky situation when these books are put on curriculum where it feels like they're pushing one specific narrative and usually it's a christian narrative Mm -hmm. and it is a straight like cisgendered narrative and and when we have these other in white yes thank (laughs) you yeah always 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 white um and even in books like to kill a mockingbird if they're like we need to read this book hopefully that would be used as a jumping off point for teachers to be like this is why this is not great anymore but it feels like how do you uphold that standard with every educator in every school it's impossible Mm -hmm. so you are letting impressionable binds be taught material that is outdated that is harmful that really like Deirdre said could be replaced with something that has a similar message that can that that is just more inclusive yeah I think it's important to like are we if we are looking at like literary devices within our books or like looking at like the actual how to write there are definitely other books that we could be looking at I can tell you right now, that is not what we looked at in my English class. Oh. That's what we looked at in my English class. Okay. Um, black <laughs> like, like, genuinely. That's the thing, right? I'm like, what the yeah. heck did I learn in my English class? You know, it's it's hard. Like, I know I was fortunate in the school I went to that we did talk about a lot of that stuff, but I understand that is a privilege. Like, that's not a guarantee for every single student in all of North America. And that's why some of these books do need to be challenged and why some of these books that are being challenged need to stay on the curriculum. Yeah. Here's, here's a perfect example. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of like what to say next. I'm like, Hey, how can I, I'm like, I literally can't think of any book that I read in school other than the hunger games, which actually like gave me intrigue that like we talked about the concepts and how they related to like our everyday lives. And like, it was more modern Mm -hmm. compared to like Lord of the flies or like, Tom Sawyer and Uncle Perry Finn. Like, I literally couldn't tell you anything about those or, like, what we learned about them. Right. A lot of it, a lot of, like, what I learned in my high school experience was, like, all that BS of, like, why do you think the author chose to have it raining during this chapter? Because the characters are sad, Deirdre. (laughs) No, because rain is, like, a rebirth. Yeah. Because weather Um, happens, even in books. (laughs) You know? And so, as I was reading these lists, and bring bring it back, we're bringing it back. Um, As I was reading these lists and, you know, reading through the ALA's website, Mm -hmm. I really started to think about something that a lot of people have talked about over this last year, and it's that the American education system (laughs) is lacking in many ways. Mm -hmm. But I, I do think something that is severely lacking is teaching critical thinking Mm. and how to critically look at books um it it feels so i don't know what the word is like a betrayal i guess that some people are allowed to stand up and say this is uh forcing a gay agenda and um an anti-police agenda um but when something that is genuinely harming people uh, is called into question, people are not willing to stand behind that. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. absolutely entitlement. Mm -hmm. Um, But something 
that um, is is was really brought forward on the page was that because of the First Amendment in the United States, which is freedom of speech, you can kind of publish whatever you want. And, you know, I think the, the choice comes down to whose voices are we willing to uphold? Mm. And um, is every, I hate to say the word valid, because um, I don't know that that's necessarily what I mean. But... Um, you know, there are certainly books that have been published that I would say, like, oh, God, why was that person paid to to write this? Like, their their implicit bias is steeped into this. Uh, but then I have to kind of sit back and be like, well, I'm sure that they think the same thing about the books that I love. Um, and it's it's really this push and pull, you know? Like, is it is it okay to ban books especially looking at the list of books that have been banned yeah. like full-on like burned and shredded yeah. um like is that the end goal is that is that what we're really looking for for everybody to have the exact same opinion about everything i don't know that's it's a, that's a really interesting thing you kind of stumbled upon because it it for me comes down to like uh it's a privilege thing right mm-hmm. like if yeah. if a book about white characters and say there's a depiction of police that is unflattering does that really affect in the grand scheme the way that white people can live their lives does that really inhibit their freedoms does it cause people to think of them poorly therefore affecting all other aspects of their life not really but for other marginalized groups when we have these books that depict them in poor ways or have books that are taken off curriculum that show like a more realistic side of things or a more like 360 degree like who these people are basically that does damage them in their lives right like having students have no exposure to different races ethnicities genders sexualities that is harmful to those marginalized groups mm-hmm. and having those depictions be positive yeah that's yes, another absolutely, thing absolutely right absolutely. that it's that it's not you know transphobia steeped into a book yes that it's, that it's not like implicit bias racism steeped into a book and that's absolutely. the way people are seeing these marginalized groups and so for me yeah there are some books like i don't agree with like we've seen like these like political figures get book deals and I'm like why would you ever publish this book no one needs to read that I'm like whatever they can publish their books but then also like if they're getting to publish their books we need to be able to have people of color and other marginalized groups able to publish their books and it just feels like it's like no we get our crappy politicians and also other things but you Mm -hmm. get nothing and it's like this like Mm -hmm. endless cyclical conversation where you can't get anywhere yeah. Uh, and I think like there are real life consequences for one side and there's not for the other. And that's just my opinion. I agree. Uh, I agree. And I think that's important to acknowledge in this conversation because there are ramifications for people that go outside of like, I don't see myself in a book. It's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It is way yeah. bigger than that. Yeah. A kind of a small shift. There's <laughs> 35 challenge publications in schools in Canada and it kind of comes along the same path. The two that I picked to talk about were Handmaid's Tale and a book called Ash's Mums by Rosemond Elwin. Mm. And this was, so I'm going to talk about that one first. It's really short. Uh, in 1997, school trustees in Surrey, BC, banned the use of, in the elementary grades of 
children's storybooks that depicted same-sex parents. Ah. So they wanted to ban all books that had same-sex parents. One of the banned titles was Ash's Mums. A teacher, James Chamberlain, challenged the ban in court. In 2002, the Supreme Court of Canada declared the BC School Act required secular and non-discriminatory education. A ban on books about same-sex parents could not be legally justified. <laughs> so that was a big win. A big win for Heck queer yeah. parents. Yeah. That was in 1997. 1997. Well, in 2002, he went to... But, like, that's pretty fancy. Dang. Um, and then The Handmaid's Tale... <laughs> In 2008, parent in Toronto complained about the use of this dystopian novel in his son's grade 12 English class. Imagine your mom. You're in grade 12. You're a whole adult. And your little mommy, your little mommy picks up her little phone with with the little cord because it's 2008. She calls up your school. And she's like, oh, actually, little Jeremy cannot be reading Hermine's Tale in class. Uh, imagine how embarrassed you'd be. His name isn't right? Jeremy. I don't know what his name is. Probably Jeremy. <laughs> Uh, the Handmaid's Tale tells the story of Offred, a woman who lives in a future a patriarchal theocracy. Uh, the parents dislike the novel for profane language, anti-Christian overtones. It's not overtones. It's very clear in the books. Uh, and themes of violence and sexual degradation. Uh, in 2009, a review panel of the Toronto District School Board recommended that the novel be kept on in the curricula for grade 12's 11 and 12s. The Handmaid's Tale remained on the grade 12 reading list. Suck on it, Jeremy's mom! <laughs> so, like, those are two times that the, basically these district school boards were like, shut up. But there's a lot of times that these bans do stay in place. Like, there was a ban put on um, Go Ask Alice, mm. which was written by Anonymous. And this was in 1978. <laughs> and again, Richmond and Langley, BC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Y'all, get too close. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carly. Uh, remove this book from their high schools. Go Ask Alice Reads Like a Diary. Describes a teenage girl's experience with narcotics and sex. I had no idea what Go Ask Alice oh. was about. Uh, in Richmond, students sent a petition to the school board to protest the ban. And the Richmond teacher... Teacher slash librarians association supported them. And Langley, a committee of school trustees, librarians, and parents recommended keeping copies in the school's counselor's office. But these efforts both failed. Both bans stayed in effect. So they banned Go Ask Alice. R.I.P. I remember... I guess no one's asking Alice. I remember... <laughs> I remember in high school... Um, there was a teacher who was trying to put that on their list of, like, books they were going to read, and it got challenged within the parents, and then it just didn't go anywhere, I don't think. I think they just picked another book. I don't know what it is in Southern BC in that book, but... (laughs) It just seems like that, Carly, that sounds like exactly kind of what happens more often than not. Like, these books get challenged by parents, and just, like, to make things easier it's not that they keep the bands like put anything bad they're just like we'll just change books yeah. like it just right. seems like that more often than not is what happens which is really discouraging but like in the grand scheme of just having to do your job and like what what is as an educator your jurisdiction and what goes above like fighting parents on books you're not getting paid to do that right 
And not that, like, teachers are just in it for the money, because they don't get paid enough to be in it just for the money. They obviously have a passion for being instructors. But it asks a lot for parents to be constantly at odds with parents, because it's, like, that weird... For teachers to be constantly at odds with parents. Yeah. It's, like, this weird... Did I say it wrong? I thought you said for parents to be constantly at odds with parents. You could have said it the other way. And I totally blacked out. That's okay. I think I also blacked out a little bit. Me too. (laughs) I think we're both like... Um, It's this weird thing where, like, you're sharing the socialization of these kids. And it's like, yeah, you have values at home. But it's also an instructor's job to, like, show these kids more about life than just your religion at home. And what, like, standards you have at home. That is an obligation for instructors. Yeah, There are... So, I had a catholic school education for my elementary and middle school and then i moved on to public school and that was a choice my parents made my my parents wanted me and my brother to go to a catholic school and be raised in our faith and weirdly enough the library had a lot of books that i look back on now and i'm like shocked right i'm shocked honestly um that i was allowed to like read twilight in my desk in eighth grade you know, um, grateful, but shocked. Um, but there are a lot of schools that cater to religions for most age groups. And yes, it is absolutely a privilege to be able to send your kid to a private school. Um, but in a public institution, I personally do not think that you should be able to bring your personal religious feelings into them like there you should not be saying because my christian beliefs say that uh x y and z this book which has an lgbtq plus main character cannot be read in school like that is just not your place um if you want to have that kind of control then find a scholarship figure it out and take your kid to an institution that's going to cater to that for you. Yeah. Now, your kid is going to grow up the same way you did in a bubble yeah. and they're going to hit the real world and they're not going to be able to critically think and understand that there are people of all sexualities and genders and races and everything else under the sun that exists in this world because you chose to put them in that bubble but that's your problem yeah and i feel i feel like it's a very like this all kind of ties into like people's egos like this is like oh yeah it just it baffles my mind that so many people are like so selfish and like egotistical that they think that their specific narrative that they want to push onto their child and essentially like essentially like shelter their child into growing up into is like more important than like having a well-rounded person who can critically look at literature or like you know anything that they're researching or whatever and like like get an actual glimpse on the real world not just some like idea that you want your kid to have like it's so egotistical to me that it like it's blowing my mind like I it it doesn't make any sense and especially when it comes to like like what like this is kind of like another conversation but like what librarians actually are like a lot of people are like oh they just like work at a library i'm like no they're actual researchers and like they're professional researchers that's what they do like when 
like when lawyers go into court, you, they don't do their own research. They send a list of here are the things I need. They send it to the library. A researcher goes over and does the research because they have access to all kinds of information. And there's no, I mean, depending on where it is, but there's like, they try to have an unbiased view on what they're researching. So it's just like, you're not even giving your own kid that chance to like explore other ideas than what is just in your home. It's extremely egotistical. Right. Right. And I absolutely acknowledge that, like, I am 110% coming from a place of privilege to say that, to say what I'm saying, you know, because of the country that I grew up in, because of the family that I grew up in, um, that I have been given the opportunity to form my own opinions. um, Because there are a lot of countries that that's not the case, that books have been banned and these books are going to continue to be banned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I think it's just, it's a control thing. Like banning books, banning media, banning like even parents, it's all control about like how they think someone should think. And, you know, at a certain age, every single individual come has to be confronted with the fact that they are their own autonomous human and they can make their own choices and it just depends on uh where along in that socialization or that control that they are to see if they're able to to do more growth or not that's just it like like Uh, you know you hear parents like being like well this isn't how i pictured your life going it's like well that sounds like a you problem not a me problem yeah, absolutely. like if you're gonna have a kid absolutely. because you want them to be like you then you shouldn't have kids i'm sorry but like they're their own person totally totally so totally. as we were doing this research were there any books that surprised you or reasons why books had been challenged or banned that surprised you yeah there was one that surprised <laughs> me quite a bit um the Goosebumps series mm. by R.L. Stein mm-hmm. and the Fair Street yeah. books by R.L. Stein uh, were both challenged in Canada. Uh, in 1995, a parent group in Halifax asked that both of these series be withdrawn from schools in the Halifax school, school board's jurisdiction. And their objection was the books were said to convey violence and a lack of respect for parental authority. Oh. <laughs> Which is really funny to me. Uh, and then there's a little update they provide. So this is all on the website. Man, this website is so... F- I'll put it in the in the mm. episode thing. This this yeah. website, this Freedom to Read and this BPC Council thing, that's a great resource if you're a Canadian and want to know about uh, banning and challenging books. It's really great. Uh, so their update is, the board agreed that parents can govern what their own children read in school, but not what other children read. It was agreed that the books should be available at age-appropriate levels. Thus, the Fair Street series was placed in junior high school libraries, but withdrawn from elementary schools, which is true. The Fair Street series is scarier Mm -hmm. than Goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Um, When the parent group subsequently asked that all horror books be withdrawn from the school, the board turned down that request. Uh, which just made me laugh. It's a lot of these, like, reasons. And, like, it gets a little sassy, some of these, like, little blurbs. I'm like, The librarians were like, enough of you. Uh, But, yeah, I'm like, Goosebumps are, like, if you meet a kid ever, if you've ever met a kid in your life, they love books like Goosebumps. They love, like, horror books that, like, because Goosebumps isn't scary. Even, like, for kids, it's not too scary. Sometimes, some of them are a little spookier. <laughs> Most of the time, they have happy endings. So, in my, in my feelings, they're not spooky. And no one ever dies in them. Right. Right. <laughs> so, I'm like, what's a horror movie if no one dies? Or a horror book. And the 
usually they've got like a fun little twist to them. They're more mysteries than they are like slasher horror books. So right. at the end of the day, like kids love reading books like that because it makes them feel like like who yeah. I shouldn't be doing this, right? I still have all of my original goosebumps. And when you said, like, they're not too... I was, like, I was just thinking about Slappy the Dummy and how he used to give me nightmares. That may, oh, he's creepy. I mean, arguably, Slappy the Dummy is the scariest because they keep they keep bringing him back in all of the reboots. They're like, bring back Slappy. Yeah. I'm like, just let him go. He's... Let him sleep. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, so Goosebumps, I said, was, like... It's just, like, why? Like, for their reasons, I'm like, why? <laughs> why? If your care if your kids don't respect you after reading a Goosebumps book, I'm more concerned about your parenting than I am about the Goosebumps books. Yeah, I agree. That's my thought on that. Yeah. Um, while I was doing some recent research, uh, I couldn't find like specifically like where, when, or who challenged this book. Um, but the Lorax by Dr. Zeus, um. Essentially, uh, da, 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 da. out of all of, I was like, the really? by him to challenge. Yeah, it says, uh, beloved children's author Dr. Zeus took a stand for the environment in 1971 with the Lorax, which describes the destruction of an imagined forest uh, of woolly truffle trees. The narrator chops down the trees to use their foliage to knit clothing. While some readers may be offended by the book's use of the word "stupid." It was the logging industry that was insulted by the anti-deforesting plotline. And I don't know why that made me laugh so much, but, like, I was cackling to myself because it's like, do you know the state of the world right now? Do you know? Thank you. You, like, missed the point so much. Like, Like, I'm sorry. It is on the other side of the world. (laughs) I'm sorry. Your profession has been insulted. But uh, the Lorax is a... It's, like... The simplest way of describing to children, like, what is going to happen to the world. What is happening to the world right now. Um, it's literally one of my favorite movies to watch. It's my comfort movie. So I was like, what do you mean? I was so confused. I know. I loved that movie so as a good. kid. I still watch it, like, all the time. I loved the Laura. Yeah. Yeah, so that was the one that surprised me the most. Out of all the Dr. Zeus books, that's the one. Yeah. Meanwhile, people were super up in arms when... They, they, the people that own the rights to Dr. Seuss's books, decided to remove the problem. Yeah, ones. exactly. Uh, the one, I was not shocked to see this book on a list, uh, or that it had been challenged, but the reasons mm. got me. Um, so, uh, I believe this the first time The Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins appeared on the top ten list was in 2010. Um... And the reasons are, it's sexually explicit, unsalted to age group, which again, we don't know what that means, and for violence. Uh, Violence, I can understand. I can understand, sure, but I would really like somebody to point me in the direction of where in the Hunger Games it was sexually explicit. Oh my god! I'm literally like I'm like okay. Sentence. I'm like thinking about like a spoiler alert. Like when Peta and Katniss are like sharing a bed when they're having nightmares. Like if that's sexually explicit, then like, babes, I got some news for that's you. That's not in the first book. No. Though. I was gonna say I'm like I don't think that's in the books. 
And or at least I'm the assuming book. they're talking about the cave scene. Oh. When Katniss smooches him for the first time. Oh. But like, that was it, right? No. It was a smooch. She had. You know, there's a scene that Katniss is taking a bath in the first chapter, so. Maybe it's that. But also, I think she has to, like, ooh, I could be so wrong, but I'm pretty sure she has to, like, strip Peta because he's, like, caked in. Oh, in the Yeah. Um, so maybe it's that. I have not read the When the he first painted book. his face. <laughs> yeah. He painted his face. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't read the first book in a really long time, so maybe maybe I'm way off base. But no, there there is. Yeah, I don't think those are like because sexually explicit for me means that it's like like, on page. Yeah, yeah, above what like pedestrianly we would be okay with. So for me, like kissing is not no sexually explicit. No, even like in a kids book, like it's a YA book, but like cartoons kiss and Mm -hmm. like kids shows people kiss. Mm Like, it's just weird. Yeah. Because that's what I assume they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. Yeah. I've been seeing that um, graphic going around Instagram stories that's, like, I think it's really funny when people challenge the LGBTQ community for um, shoving sexuality on people and children when this is what they're shown as kids and it's every Disney couple yeah. kissing in their movie. Um. So yeah, I I would not say if if we're going based off of what Disney's allowed to show, I would not say that kissing is sexually explicit. No, no. unless unless you're not showing Disney movies. To no. Um, the other one that did made me laugh just because I was not surprised to see it on the list was Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, for many many reasons, it was it was on the list several times. Uh, in the early 2000s, and that one did make me chuckle. Mm. That's very funny. I would just like to mention something. I forgot to mention this before, but I just wanted to be in this podcast. There's this hysterical government document that I came across last night um, that has a written copy, a written, like, note for every single book that was seized at the border that was seen as illegal to coming into Canada or, like, banned, Uh, which is funny, that's funny, haha! Ha. I think that's so funny to me, uh, because like, who has time to do? That? <laughs> like, yeah. Like from, I think the first entry is everyone hold their pants. Everyone hold their pants. Uh, 1985. Oh. <laughs> and some of these books are funny. This one made me laugh so hard. The joy of sex, more joy of sex, the joy of gay sex, the joy of lesbian sex. Hell yeah. <laughs> Couldn't come, couldn't come in. They were like, uh, sex should not be joyful. <laughs> People in Canada do not have joyful sex. No. Nah, man. <laughs> of any nah, kind. Man, a lot of Karma Sutra books get taken at the border, and I don't know why. And it's so funny, because they have to say, it's, like, specifically what it is, so it'll be, like, book or, like, graphic novel. So they make Karma Sutra in every type, every type of thing, and it's yes, funny to me. Um, they also, <laughs> this one, this one, this one, uh, killed me. Uh, a copy of Napoleon Dynamite didn't make it in. They were like, absolutely not taking it at the border. It wasn't even a book, it's a DVD <laughs> oh of it. They were God, like, no. Stop. I'm like, why? Why are you taking, let, let them. Some, like, some, like, book in 1991, they confiscated the master book of candle burning. They are like, no, candle burning. 
get out of here. Uh, they're so funny. And some of these you can tell are like naughty ones. Ooh. <laughs> like there's a magazine called On Our Backs. And I was like, that's probably a naughty one. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if it is. But it sounds like it to me. I would assume. I would assume. <laughs> Sailor Moon number two, they're like, get out of here. Not Sailor Moon. Not Sailor Moon. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> Sexy stories of the world religions. Oh. I want to read that. I, that, I want to read that. What is that? Um, and then a lot of mind comps, obviously. Those get stopped at the border kind of constantly. Uh, which I think for a good mm-hmm. reason. But uh, if you would like to look at this document, I'll also put in the show notes. It's just funny. It's just funny. Uh, before we move into our current reads, I just want to say, uh, I know we all had a lot of fun, um, researching this topic. It's a very nuanced topic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing to necessarily challenge books. Um, you know, it, it does mean that, uh, you hopefully maybe are critically thinking about books. I think it's that next step to wanting them banned, uh, that's that interesting um, changing point. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, at least for me, is this feels like the tip of the iceberg of research. Um, like I said, in our next book report episode, I'm going to be doing one of the cases in the United States around a book that was uh, trying to be banned. Um, because I think it's really fascinating. And I think you said something that kind of sparked, I thought, for me but I think even if these books are like being challenged or banned or not being challenged and you think they should Mm -hmm. you can challenge them yourself internally Mm -hmm. like if we talk about problematic authors or problematic works if you are able to like get the books without like contributing money to these authors and you want to read them to challenge yourself to read them critically to form your own opinion that is a thing that exists that you can do. Yeah. Right? And I think if people flexed and built that muscle a little bit more, we'd have less of this discourse online of like, this is bad, this is good. Mm-hmm. It's like very firm lines because a lot of this exists in gray area, right? Like due to age, people's experiences, like the lens that they look at works through, like being who you are in your body, you're never going to see a piece of literature the same way somebody else does. You're coming at it with different experiences and biases. So, like, building that muscle of how you can read books and challenge them yourself and think about them critically, I think is incredibly important and probably should be taught in schools. I agree. I think that's, like, the most important thing is, like, out of this conversation is, like, I think we need to teach children how to be, you know, critical and look at literature and absorb everything and make their own decision on how they want to proceed through the world yeah yeah do we want to talk about some current reads yeah maybe just quick Mm -hmm. very fast i can go first sure so i just started this book yesterday so i'm very much at the beginning and it is fresh by margot wood and it just came out this week mm-hmm. um and it's a coming of age story about a girl in her freshman year of college 
And what really gripped me from page one is that it is very, um, like, journal-esque. Um, the main character is Elliot Mc... I'm going to say this last name, Harley. McHugh? Mm-hmm. McCuff? McCuff? Uh, and she starts the book and she's like... I'm Elliot McCuff and I am a Leo and like like does like a little bio as like the first page and it was so endearing to me I don't know I just really enjoyed it and it it grabbed me and there's also these like cute little footnotes Mm. (laughs) um which I I haven't I know that they're in uh I think it's Plain Bad Heroines um I haven't read it yet. It's been sitting on my page and I've been told that I would enjoy it. But I haven't read like a for fun book that has footnotes. Um, And especially when it's like for little, um, I'm going to call them like silly notes. Um, I don't know why. I'm just kind of excited for that. So I am super excited to get more into this book. Mm. Heck yeah. Uh, My book that I read, I have been waiting <laughs> patiently at my library to get this book because I didn't want to buy it. Um, it is the second book in the Carry On series by Rainbow oh. Rowell, so Wayward Son. Um, so I got it through my library because Rainbow Rowell has it's a sore with history. You can Google it. Um, but this book, it was not great. It was not mm. great. It was incredibly short, way shorter than I was expecting, and it ends on this weird cliffhanger that made me upset, and mm. I did not like. Um, I got the audiobook for both Carry On and for Wayward Son through the library, um, and the guy who does the audiobook is trying his very best, man. He's trying his best to make this engaging, and I applaud him for that. He tries to put on these voices to some amount of success for some uh, more than others, um, but it was an interesting read, especially now that I'm kind of been reading, like, almost exclusively queer audiobooks. I don't know why. I'm, like, reading a whole bunch of, like, straight romances on my Kindle, but then listening to all these queer audio like, romance audiobooks. There's just been a lot of really great queer audiobooks coming out recently, and then also Wayward Son, which was kind of fine. Um, mostly because I'm interested in reading the third book now that it's out. Once the library gets it, I'm, like, 18 weeks in. Uh, But here's the thing. I don't know at this point in the series if I'd recommend it for people to read. I think there's other books that kind of do what it does better. Yeah. Without uh, the problematic things that Rainbow Rowell brings to her writing. Um, Itself, it's not as... I know Eleanor and Park is kind of, like, the worst of the worst for Rainbow Rowell. But also, I think there's other authors that kind of do what she does so i don't think you're missing out by skipping out on the series but if you want to finish it the library has it so you are more within your well within your right to get it from the library if you so choose my manager tried to read the third book she's read the first two tried to read the third book hated Mm. it interesting i'm where they left on this weird cliffhanger in the second book uh because basically the second book is just like a prologue for the third book. Nothing right. happens in it. They do this road trip basically to get their friend. And then they get their friend at the end of the second book, but nothing is solved. Oh. And I'm like, so it's just this really long and dry prologue of this road trip across the US. And I'm like, this is very boring. <laughs> it's you know very boring. I tried I read Fangirl 
by Rainbow Rowell way, oh, way, yeah. way, way back in the day. I just skipped yeah. all of the chapters to do with Carry On. I was like, I can't do two books in one. Uh-uh. I get why. It's kind of like a, a, a book of its time, right? Mm. Like, I get why it got so popular when it did, because it was this, like, dreary yeah. fan fiction brought to life that people were really invested in. So I get it. I can send props that way, but I think other books just do it better. That's fair. Um, if that is your comfort book, no hate to you. I just wanted to read it to form my own opinion, and I'm not, like, going head over heels for it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. That's fair. Um, I realized back in June, I kind of went through a little bit of a manga phase, and I never talked about it on here. Um, so, I read four books in like two days uh they were the first volume of attack on titan uh the first volume of your name the first volume of i don't know how to say this one which hat yeah which hat atelier there we go thank you um and then (laughs) first volume of syrup which is a yuri anthology and i gave every single one of them five stars so I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Um, if you didn't know right now, there's a manga shortage because the biggest um, manga printing people decided to close their doors. Um, so everyone's running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to get these books. Um, but I managed to snag uh, the next two volumes in Syrup, which I'm, I really love. It's If you want to read a sapphic anthology that is manga there's three volumes they're really cute um and then yeah i got (laughs) like the next nine in attack on titan and i haven't touched them since but i plan to so um yeah that's what i'm currently reading or read look at us reading look at us talking about books that are banned and challenged (laughs) heck yeah if you liked this video video oh my god If you liked this episode, please head on over to our Instagram at Books on the Brain Pod and please leave the fire emoji. Because people still burn books, mm-hmm. which we found out, which we did not talk about, we didn't but talk people about. do. Yeah. And that's alarming. Yeah. Uh, and um, just a friendly reminder, we put out episodes every single Wednesday and are available on all podcast platforms. And if you have not done so already, but are a loyal listener, we would be so grateful if you would rate, review, and subscribe. It really does help us out. You can also go ahead and follow us on our own social platforms. I'm at Deirdre Rose Morgan on Instagram and TikTok. I'm at d.j.books on TikTok and on Instagram. I have a Twitter. If you can find it, you can follow it. And I am at Carly Rakashi on Instagram and at Library of Carly on TikTok. We will chat to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Goodbye. Assuming it's nighttime, wherever you are.